Entertainment's podcast from Bottom Line Technologies. We're living in a highly digital, forward-thinking age. As customers, our expectations are changing within the payments landscape, and this has created a new push for innovation within the payment industry, and technology is now responding to these needs. Hello, I'm Rich Williams, host of the Payments Podcast, and today I'm joined by Patrick Nuchins, who is the Financial Industry Advisor at Bottom Line Technologies. We'll be discussing the market and customer demands in regards to the new future payments business model, as well as how the market is meeting these demands and how technology has responded to it. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Rich. So thanks for joining us today. And what we're going to discuss is, of course, a highly relevant topic, uh, particularly now we're already in the sixth of the way through 2020. Um, So I think a good place to begin would be by looking at how market demands are changing in this area. I would start by saying there's, 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 there's really three different categories of, of, of expectations that we are dealing with. One is around speed, the second is around intelligence, and the third is really about digital integration. So if we start with um, speed, first of all, payments must become faster and become cheaper. Right? This is something that we clearly are observing in in domestic payments market where the expectation is to have real-time and settlement 24-7 and with no fees for the consumer. And to be honest, internationally, the trend is the same. For international payments, um, that's what the expectation is, even though uh, it is still more difficult to to achieve. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, Banks today are not really 24 by 7 in in their infrastructure capabilities yet. Uh, and one big obstacle is compliance screening, uh, which is still having a lot of false positives, which doesn't help if you, if you want to have speed and real-time processing. But all of that can be addressed as we will see further. The second expectation is around uh, business intelligence, uh, becoming more and more important. And, and if we phrase it in the context of, of, of what we're discussing today, it is about making payments smarter and looking at the context of the payment. Uh, what, what customers and users want is to obtain goods or services, not make payments as such. So any intelligence on what the payment is for will create further efficiencies, value-added opportunities, and will help address the problems that today uh, payments are still a source of friction uh, in many transactions. I think um, if I take a a good example, if if you take an Uber car, when you get out of the car, the payment is taken care of. That's That's what the kind of expectation is that people have today. And then to close uh, on the three years, the third one is integration in digital ecosystems. Uh, we see a lot of platform economics. We see network economics taking place. So this is hugely important. And, and over the next five years, it will become even more uh, important moving forward. And, and this has a number of consequences that are quite interesting because uh, obviously business innovation in the payments industry is, is very attractive for, for players, not only for the incumbents, but there's a lot of new um, uh, entrants there. Of course, a lot of fintechs, but equally important and not to be ignored, the big techs are there as well. And they will come, they will, com- they will disrupt, they will innovate, and they will compete with the traditional players. And, and what we're seeing is a move towards uh, a model that is more cooperative in the financial industry, uh, where, where uh, diverse business partners interact in these ecosystems in a very efficient way and in real time. Okay? 
and as a consequence for, for the traditional banks and solution providers like bottom line, they must adapt to play and remain competitive in, in the payments industry space. So they need to focus on simple integration, real-time services, and um, fast deployment so they can adapt quickly to changes. And maybe worth mentioning as, as, a, as a final point on, on, on this, this topic is to say that we see that as a result of all these things happening, the distinction between domestic and international payments is actually uh, fading quite fast in the, in a digital world. Interesting. So you, you mentioned earlier on there that um, you know that the goal of the customer isn't really to make the payment; it's to obtain the service, and the payment is a prerequisite for, for being provided with that. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned uh, integration into digital ecosystems. Um, so, what are the implications uh, for this? For example, with uh, customer data. Yeah, uh, data is king. Uh, clearly, if if we see uh, what's happening in the payments industry, uh, there is so much pressure from all parties involved to have more data, to have uh, better data. So, richer, more granular, granular more structured data uh, with the payments is 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 what this is all about. And it's 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 um, for regulators. It's important because they want to fight crime and fraud. For payments users, it creates operational efficiencies and cost reduction. Uh, if you have uh, a payment that is linked to uh, uh, an invoice, you can, you can reconcile that um, in, in a more automated way and, and, and have cost efficiencies. For payments processes, the same applies. You can improve automation, again, very important in the context of compliance screening. And equally important, you can extract business intelligence, seek more data on the context of the payment on the customer, and therefore offer him better and more relevant services. So we could say that payments and transactions are becoming smarter. Uh, Data-rich uh, payments uh, provide more transparency, provide, provide more predictability, and that obviously helps in terms of dealing with fees and charges and, and having the, the transparency of the parties that are involved there. Also, the end-to-end -end -end perspective of the payment in the context is, is important because rather than treating a payments message, people want to look at the payments transaction end-to-end -end and, and, and see what it is for in, 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 in the context of the value chain. And, and we see that this end-to-end -end perspective and, and um, approach uh, is being evidenced by a number of initiatives, probably the, the one worth mentioning in this context, SWIFT's GPI initiative, is really about end-to-end -end transaction transparency by offering service level agreements and, and tracking capabilities that facilitate these, these processes. And of course, as, a, as, as we, we, we already said, uh, smarter payments allow for best, better customer data intelligence, which of course then helps in creating new value-added services and where the focus is on the service that adds value to the transaction and not just processing the payment. Yeah, that's a good lead-in actually, Patrick. Um, so the market demands and expectations uh, for the payment industry are quite extensive and that immediacy for, for access to that rich data and the immediacy of fulfilment of payment is becoming more and more prevalent, um, which is understandable really considering the sheer number of potential opportunities that are being generated by these new initiatives. Um, but how exactly is the financial industry addressing the demands of the market, Patrick? Uh, yes, uh, clearly a, a lot is happening in, in, in this area, but let's, let's maybe focus on, on three particular areas. 
that really show how the industry is responding, uh, responding to um, these these changing uh, requirements from from customers and, and and corporate clients, and and there are really the three perspectives that are relevant here from the regulators' perspective, the markets themselves, and from the standards domain. So if you start with the regulators. Uh, basically, the response from the regulators has been uh, open banking, uh, which it's, it's being imposed on banks by uh, regulators with the purpose of increasing competition and encouraging innovation. So that, that is clearly um, a, a driver for, for the whole open banking uh, initiative, not only in the UK, but also uh, in Europe and, and, and other places. And the, let's say that this, this, um, this transparency uh, is, it is achieved by enabling seamless access to data uh, through the implementation of APIs. APA, APIs like account to account or like payment initiation that give access to third parties of data that is held by banks on, on, on their customers and the transaction. The consequence really is that open banking again opens the door for non-bank entities to enter this, 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 this financial service space and, and offer services on top of what uh, the core capabilities of the banks are uh, by providing value-added services um, on top of this, this, um, these basic uh, capabilities. And uh, that also means that banks' current value-add and business model is challenged by these, by these new players and, and they need to respond to that. If we look at the financial markets, the response there is really this whole push towards instant payments and real-time process. We've, we've seen it in the UK, Faster payments is there since 2008. They were probably amongst the first to go towards uh, an instant payment infrastructure. In Europe, it started with SEPA in 2015. But now we see schemes emerging in, in many markets in, in, in Europe, including the Nordics, EBA, and um, more recently, Eurosystem TIPS, um, which, which is providing those real-time services. And it's not just Europe. Uh, it's, um, it's all over the world. We see it in in Australia, China, India, Singapore, the US, I think today over 50 countries probably have instant payments um, inf infrastructures. And that is really in response to this need for speed, if you want. And, and an interesting observation there is that these, 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 these faster payments uh, are not only uh, an attraction to new players to come and play, but they're also a challenge for some players who are there, like like the court camp, uh, the card companies, uh, who have to uh, who have to respond to that because uh, they they're under pressure with with their business models. And what we see as a consequence is that uh, some of the card companies are taking initiatives to position themselves in this uh, financial industry, real-time payment world, in a different way. And you see, for instance, Market, MasterCard um, acquiring Transfast, you see Visa acquiring Earthport. Clearly, that is to reposition themselves to seize the opportunities and to fight off this faster payment um, competition. And further repositioning takes place as well, really by uh, acquiring incumbent players in, in the interbank space. Uh, a good example there is MasterCard's, uh, MasterCard's acquisition of, of uh, Vocalink. 
Okay, so again, dynamics of how things are moving. And then finally, and that, that, um, that leads us to the, um, the, um, the ISO 2022 perspective, the standardizer space. So for all of this to be possible, something is needed that actually structures it, that um, standardizes it, and, and allows for interoperability between um, the different systems. And for smarter and better payments, ISO 2022 is, is clearly the messaging standard, the financial messaging standard that is, is setting the future and catering for all the, the needs and requirements that um, these, um, these uh, market infrastructures uh, require. As we see today, almost all the instant payments schemes use ISO 2022 as their, as their messaging standard. Uh, we see it is being adopted by a lot of the high-value real-time um, uh, global settlement systems like Fedwire, Chips, Chaps, Target2. Uh, SWIFT is in the process of moving its whole uh, correspond correspondent banking messaging um, space from FIN to ISO 2022 as well. So clearly the push and, and the general adoption is there and ISO 2022 is becoming this global standard. And, and, and it's not a surprise because what 2022 does is offer end-to-end uh, -end common standards for both domestic and international transactions. It allows, as we mentioned before, this, this, this need for more data, more granular data, more structured data. That's what ISO 2022 enables. And by doing that, it also creates operational efficiencies that people are looking for in, in, in that context. So ISO 2022 is, 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 if you want, some kind of enabling glue uh, in, in this whole payments um, space where we see the evolutions and, and, and the uh, interactions between all those domestic and international systems uh, becoming more and more important. Eh? It's, uh, we're living in a, in a global world, and that's certainly the, the case for payments. And ISO 2022 is clearly uh, an enabler for that um, future. Okay, so the markets are demanding uh, more data, more richness of data, uh, more speed uh, of settlement. Uh, the banks are looking at ways of dealing with fintechs to take care of some of the, the more tricky pieces for, for them. Uh, and the regulators are building the standardization to actually drive this forwards. Um, if we look specifically at the financial messaging space, how exactly have the demands of the industry gone on to trigger the new technologies to, to make all this possible? The, the, the financial messaging model that, that has uh, enabled the, um, the, the payment space has been around for a very long time. And it is something that for many years worked and there was no need to challenge it and, and it catered for all the requirements that were there and it evolved and it adapted and adjusted. Uh, but in recent years, again, in response to these different demands, market demands that, that we've been talking about, um, things are changing because the, the, the traditional messaging does not necessarily cater for the requirements of, of, uh, of these, these new environments and, and the speed and the interaction and all of that. And what we see is that there's some technology innovation taking place and, and entering this traditional messaging space um, because this new technology caters for solutions that the traditional messaging cannot necessarily provide. And we're talking uh, about blockchain, we're talking about APIs, in context of open banking, but also outside thereof, and real-time processing, clearly, 
uh, our innovations that, that are taking place. And these are then further supported by new capabilities like big data processing, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, etc. So it's actually amazing to see how technology is is just catching up to to, to the requirements and, and the demands of the market. And, and and it's interesting to see how how that evolution will take place in the coming coming years. Um, if we look at each of the three I mentioned uh, in, in slightly more detail, and let's start with the with blockchain, it clearly is innovation uh, that works. It provides new approaches for automation, and we see that there's a number of initiatives um, taking place in, in the payment space uh, where people are trying out uh, how they can use blockchain in this context. Um, reconciliation is a good example where we see some, some proof of concepts and some, some approaches there. Ripple well, is a blockchain-based solution for, for its settlement system. Um, and even though there's some initiatives in, in payments, I think today it's probably more security space that will benefit from blockchain innovation in the shorter term. Uh, because what we still see with blockchain it's, is that it's, it's not an end-to-end -end solution. So blockchain is not just going to come in and replace uh, uh, financial messaging it, because it, 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 it lacks integration uh, capabilities, it has no interoperability, and, and therefore it cannot provide an end-to-end -end solution today in, in, in that respect. But clearly it has niche positions within the value chains where it adds value and where it provides innovation and automation that cannot be achieved through messaging. With APIs, it's, it's, um, it's a bit the same, same story, if you want. Uh, it, it, it's basically new ways of accessing uh, data and new services. And, and one of the great benefits of APIs, of course, is uh, they, they are real-time. So it supports the whole time, the whole real-time um, uh, processing push that, that, that people are expecting. Uh, again, APIs are not the end-to-end -end solution for everything. And again, APIs today are not really um, being leveraged to the extent that they could be because there's still some, some, some standardization that, that, that is required to make these, uh, these API approaches more industry efficient and, and, and more global. And in a way, ISO 2022 can help there because it does define common sets of, of business data that will allow interoperability, but there's still a way to go. Uh, maybe the UK actually, UK open banking is maybe uh, more advanced than, than, than other places in, in the world there. And, and I would say at this stage, the reason for the success here is because uh, the regulation, the standardization and the interoperability that is required are, uh, are addressed and that, that gives um, good results. And then the third technology innovation is all about these real-time uh, processing cap capabilities that are available, that are fully deployable in financial services. We've seen also that um, cloud-based computing that obviously uh, supports real-time is becoming more acceptable and more uh, more ingrained in, 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 in this business. So uh, as a result, what we see emerging for financial transactions is, is what I would call a new end-to-end -end payments transaction business model that is not only based on financial messaging anymore. It, it, it's, a, it's a hybrid model um, based on coexistence of different technologies, each with their own uh, specific purpose and use and benefits. 
and, and what we see is a, is a mix of, of, um, of mobile, of APIs, of blockchain, of messaging, and then when we talk messaging in particular, ISO 2022 based. And as an example, what you could see is, for instance, mobile e-banking APIs uh, are, are very interesting for payments initiation. Whilst blockchain is probably a good technology for clearing and settlement, and the ISO 2022 messaging uh, is probably the best solution for catering for the interbank flows. So, so we really see this 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 coexistence uh, and this hybrid model evolving as we move forward. And the role of ISO 2022 as an enabler here is is, is quite important as it allows to adapt and extend the business standards to new technologies. And that then leads to interoperability, reduced complexity and, and risk mitigation, and overall data consistency end-to-end, -end, which is very important um, because uh, you, you, you can basically make sure that the data that is carried with the message and with the transaction keeps uh, stays there all the time and is not, not truncated. Um, Hybrid model, I, I think a good example, if we, if we look at ASX Australia, so it's ASX, uh, Australia's new uh, securities clearing and settlement system, is an infrastructure that is basically combining a blockchain node with ISO 2022 messaging to provide a full end-to-end -end solution in that context. So that's, that's a good example. Now, again, all of this, uh, like everything else we've been talking about, has implications on, on how solution providers like Bottomline and others uh, need to respond to this to make sure that their value propositions uh, are adapted uh, and, and, and are future-oriented in, in, in terms of dealing with uh, those uh, technology and, and um, solution requirements. And um, to, to, to summarize, what, what needs to happen is, is, is people need to look at their infrastructure and, and have a strategy that ensures that uh, it deploys API-based um, architecture uh, in the cloud uh, for speed and, and, and caters for the, for the use of microservices um, to, be, to be nimble and flexible and, and, and integrate this through the APIs. I think key also is to make sure that, and we mentioned how important data and, and rich data is, so, so people need to make sure that when they look at um, their integration and data extraction and processing uh, processes, that they synchronize among clouds, API, EDI, point-to-point, -point, et cetera, et cetera. That's key. I think today, instant payments must be part of any core offering, and it's probably for any future offering uh, where, where it sh should start. And then if we look at the, end, at the other end, the legacy systems, there's a lot of, there's a lot of legacy infrastructure and, and platforms out there, um, and they just cannot necessarily be all replaced with, uh, with uh, new facilities and new processing, but they need to be enabled with uh, API and uh, instant payment capabilities. So there's a lot of work uh, to be done for, for some people. <laughs> it certainly sounds like it. So we know what the markets are demanding. Um, we know where everyone's hopefully trying to, to strive towards more uh, standardization and, and more innovation. Um, practically speaking, though, Patrick, um, how will these opportunities and benefits um, actually be brought to and made available to businesses to actually take advantage of? Um, as I just explained, I think that, that, that financial institutions and, and their, their solution providers 
um, need to evolve their, their architecture. And there's a number of reasons we, we've specifically talked about in that context, but that's not, that's not sufficient. I think if they want to leverage the, the capabilities and the opportunities and, and benefits they can offer to their customers, they're going to have to rethink their business delivery models as well. Uh, and, 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 and respond in, in, in a way that is adapted to, to how uh, people want to consume services and, 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 um, and processes in that context. And, and what we see is basically, uh, if we assume that real-time payments is, is, is going to be a, a key uh, driver in this context, the, the real-time payments business model that we see uh, appear is one of rails and overlay. That's what it's referred to. It's about providing basic functionality at a very low cost on a public good basis. And those are the rails. And then additional functionality is delivered as overlay services, uh, the value add, where uh, then uh, people are willing to pay for those, uh, for those benefits and, 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 and the support. Their inf infrastructure needs to consider moving to open platforms which can easily leverage cloud APIs and, and are going to be more and more uh, data-driven, which then uh, logically leads to, to uh, digital marketplaces and, and platforms economics in that context, which are driven by, by open banking initiatives. But what we see is, is, is there's other initiatives as well. There are a number of collaborative partnerships taking place where uh, a number of banks and solution providers share uh, data in a digital ecosystem and, and create new dynamics uh, by doing that. I think, uh, I think that's a key direction. And uh, given the cloud is becoming so efficient, banking as a service is, is really there. And it's interesting because it gives fintechs and non-banks access to uh, bank infrastructure and offer services on top of, of that. So there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of movement and uh, an initiative in that respect. And then finally, as I mentioned before, those those, those big takes, as I said, they are uh, they they want to play, they want to 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 be disruptive uh, innovators or innovative disruptors. Um, basically, again, w w with Visa Direct and MasterCard Send are two good examples of new initiatives of some players in uh, the real-time payment space. So for me, and to close, I think, I think what's happening in the financial industry, in the payments industry, is, 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 is extremely exciting. And I think uh, there's a lot of uh, fantastic uh, opportunities uh, for people to to uh, to provide solutions and be a player in this in these ecosystems, focusing on innovation, probably also focusing more and more on this collaborative, and and the partner aspect, and and we see more and more evidence that the the biggest uh, innovation opportunities are for those uh, who are actually capable of of building solutions by combining the different forces that we've um, we've just been uh, just been talking about. So. It's an exciting future that I look forward to seeing how it evolves. Thank you. No, thank you. There are clearly, clearly a lot of moving parts there between the, uh, the regulators, the banks, the, the, the non-banking technology providers. Uh, and you mentioned um, sort of strategic partnerships or collaboration there. So for anyone interested to learn more about that, we did uh, cover that topic uh, in some depth a couple of episodes ago on this same podcast. Um, Patrick, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure. 
So unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back with some more podcasts very soon. And in the meantime, you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider. And we'll see you all next time. Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.